good morning, everybody. This is the live teaching call for leaders. Uh, it is Friday morning, uh, September 6, 2019. And in my neck of the woods, it is about 60 degrees this morning. Um, it was kind of a nice morning standing out waiting for the bus. Um, so I hope that wherever you're at, that you, you are also experiencing something pleasant. Um, all right, so first of all, let me take care of a couple housekeeping things. So um, for those of you who are on the call live with us this morning, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know many of you report that you are literally driving on your way to work, so of course be safe. And for those of you who are listening to the recording, most likely you are um, connected with our podcast. Um, and so this is just your friendly reminder to Tell other people about the podcast, okay? All right, so um, you probably noticed, especially those of you who join live, I have been traveling uh, for several weeks. Actually, um, I was home in my own bed four nights in the month of August. Um, I am not complaining one bit. This is all designed. Uh, I do not do that every month. August has always been a very busy month for me. Uh, I do a lot of training for teachers, getting them ready for school. Um, so I've had just a wonderful time, uh, and it's good to be home. So I'm going to be home for mm, several weeks, a couple day trips here and there, uh, nothing major though. Um, so I'm looking forward to spending a little bit more time with you. So today I was really thinking through, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do as far as what to share with you? So. I just, I was reviewing my notes the other day from, um, so a couple weeks ago I was in Orlando with the John Maxwell team. So twice a year we have a live event where um, somebody who has just joined the team relatively new um, comes and when you come the first time you are what we call certified. So you learn the things that you need to know um, to be an official John Maxwell team member. And then for everybody else, um, so this is my seventh time going down there, um, for everybody else we have a different kind of uh, program. And because I've been around for a while, uh, I have a different level of access to John. And so um, there were several things that he shared, not only from the stage with everybody, um, but also in special sessions. And then you know, I just got several minutes of his time during one of our um, our special kind of receptions. And so I just thought, wow, wouldn't it be cool if I share directly with you some things that have come right from John um, out of that time? So um, I'm going to talk a little bit today, because this is a leader's call, um, about decision making. And what I found fascinating is that, um, so this is in one of the special sessions that I had with John. And he said, you know, um, I just want to let you in on that I've never actually done any teaching on decision making before. And I'm kind of thinking through his process. And what John typically does is that when we come, he tries his new stuff out on us. So um, he calls it taking the dog out for a walk. So basically he says it's like I'm, I'm on stage and we're just taking the dog out for a walk and seeing what we can see. You know, what's going to um, grab our attention and what's not. And so when he t does this new teaching, 
um, and he sees, okay, we're taking notes, um, you know, he'll ask for feedback, you know, he'll even ask us to share with him, um, you know, which point was, you know, our, our, our most important point, right? So I love this process because really what he's doing is he's sharing his new information and seeing, okay, this works, this doesn't. And so I just imagine that at some point here in the future, you're probably going to hear him, you know, if you go see him speak or, or watch him um, online, you're going to hear him talk about this more. And I imagine there's going to be a book about it. Okay, so when that happens, you can tell your friends, hey, I heard that just when, you know, a couple weeks after John first started talking about it. So I say all that to say I'm giving you fresh stuff. Okay, so I have no idea how long it's going to take me. I am literally here in my office. Um, I'm looking at my notebook and I'm just going to go through several of the ones that really hit me. Uh, and whatever comes out of this is what's supposed to happen today. Okay. All right, so if it's safe to do so, make sure that you um, are taking some notes. Uh, one thing that I, I can tell you, especially those of you who are listening to the recording. So there's a couple different ways that you can take notes. Now, first of all, you might be asking, Michelle, just get to the good stuff, right? Why are you talking about taking notes? Here's why. A lot of people do not know how to take notes. And so what they do is they write down everything and they hope that something sticks. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple different reasons or, or ways that you can take notes. So well, the one way that I see the most is that when you're listening to a call or you're at a live event, um, and I saw this a lot when I was in Orlando, everybody's writing down, you know, whatever. So typically it's a black or a blue pen on, on a notepad, right? Okay, that's okay, but pretty soon all of the things that you write down look the same, right? So if you're going to do that, then go ahead and uh, mark it in some way. So for example, when I first started taking notes, I would put, you know, maybe I had a question about something, so it had a question mark. Or maybe it was like an action item. And so if it was an action item, it got a little box next to it. Um, or maybe it was a, a main point and I really wanted to remember it, so I had a um, star around it. Um, or maybe it was a quote that I wanted to use later, so I would underline it. Okay, so come up with some sort of system so that you know what to do with that piece of information. Okay, another way, and this is what I'm doing more and more these days, is I'm listening, and I'm not necessarily listening for the exact words that the person is, is speaking. I'm listening for the meaning or the value or the intent behind what they're saying. Okay, so what's the main point that I need to know? And I'll write that down. And what I've practiced over the last several years is actually drawing a little picture. Now, I'm not an artist, so my pictures are not like real you know, detailed or anything. Um, but maybe somebody says, okay, we're going to talk about this topic, right? So I was at a, um, an investment seminar um, several months ago. And one thing that they talked about was the idea of mailbox money. So mailbox money is basically creating streams of revenue that you basically just show up to your mailbox and there's money there waiting for you. Okay. So when I was taking notes on that, what kind of picture do you think I, I drew? Yeah, a, a mailbox, right? Very simple mailbox because 
I knew when I want to go back to this, I just have to look for the picture of the mailbox. Okay. Just yesterday, I was looking for something. Um, this was in a training that I was in in January. And I pulled out the resources from this uh, training. And there's two books that I had and awesome, amazing resources. I could not find the thing I was looking for. I was like, okay, this is silly. I'll go back to my notes. I'm sure it will tell me which slide it's on, right? So I go back to my notes. I look for my little tiny tab, and I see the picture that I drew, and there's everything that I need. And it just struck home the point to me that when you find a system that works for you for taking notes, that you can find things quicker, you know, easier, it's more meaningful, and you can actually do something with it. Okay, so that's my extra tip for today, is that when you're taking notes, you know, you can write down everything you hear, have a system, right? And then come back to it later and try to figure out what am I gonna do with this now because of what I know. Okay, it's not good enough just to have the learning, you gotta actually be able to do something with it. All right, so let's talk about decision-making. So one of the things that John was talking about was the idea that decisions should be made at the lowest level possible. So think about it this way. And in the circles that I'm often in, um, sometimes I find myself in uh, a, a room full of people who are at a higher level. So let's say at a, a federal or a state or even a regional level and they're making decisions that will affect people who basically are two to three to five, sometimes six rings below them, okay? So for example, I'm, uh, I could be sitting in a, a state meeting where they're making decisions about teachers in the classroom, right? So what John was talking about is that when you're making a decision, you want the people who are closest to that decision to actually make it, okay? The leader makes the decision only when it's absolutely necessary, okay? And he explained in his organization, you gotta understand John, so he has five different companies, okay? And they are global companies, okay? Multi-million dollar companies. So big time, okay? He said, I actually don't make all that many decisions during, during any given day because he has so empowered his people to make those decisions. And he knows that when a decision comes to him, he's gonna have to make it, okay? And usually it's the pretty hard decisions, all right? Now, the, as I was kind of reflecting on this, I was thinking, why, why don't we do this more? And I think there's several reasons. One of them is that leaders often have control issues. Okay, so uh, quick question. What's your relationship with delegation? Do you like to get rid of some of those jobs or do you wanna hold on to them? Okay, so decision-making is just another job. Um, I was working with a group not too long ago, and this was funny because I, I happened to come on a day where they were discussing what they were going to do for the end of the school year party. And I got to witness the staff meeting. And it basically, there was about 15 people in the room, and 
the leader was telling everybody that she wanted them to plan everything. And then when it came down to, you know, actually making the decision on everything from what color uh, balloons they would have to what kind of food they were going to have, she kind of took back that control. And it was very interesting as I watched and later on she asked me, you know, how can I build more trust with my staff? I thought, hmm, does it have to be your color of balloons, right? So sometimes the leader has a control issue. Sometimes the leader hasn't spent the time to ensure that the person that you uh, should be making the decision is capable of making that decision. So it could be an empowerment thing or it could be an ability thing, okay? So for example, um, you know, I, I've shared with you guys in the past about how we do chores here in our house. So um, at any one given time, the kids are working on a different skill, okay? So they might be working on a certain chore until they've mastered that chore, and then we talk about what's next. So it's been interesting, especially this summer, that my 15-year-old, um, he's just started high school, so yep, send, send some love my way, right? Um, he, because of his schedule, he's transitioning out of some of the household chores here because he needs to focus on some of those other things. Um, so the chores he does have are much more involved, so like lawn care, right? Taking out the trash, that kind of thing. So he's transitioning out of let's say doing the dishes, okay? Well, I realized that when my 12-year-old was coming into that chore, she had um, her own idea, you know, of how to do this project. Um, and I had to honor that and still teach her, and this is what you need to do to finish it, okay? So the idea of, of leaving a decision in at the lowest level possible is the idea that I can say with confidence, Hannah can make these decisions based on, you know, about dishes based on what I know that she knows. Does that make sense? Okay, so you're, you're really trying to work yourself out of a job, whether it be at home with things like chores or whether it be at work with things like, you know, your, your tasks that you need to do. Um, I work with a lot of teachers, so we try to help them understand that when children can do the jobs that you think you have to do, that it empowers them, okay? So work yourself out of a job. Another really key concept that John spent a long time on was explaining why you make a decision is more important than the actual decision, okay? So when somebody brings something to you and says, okay, now we need you to make this decision, you as the leader, um, you know, sometimes I've, I've worked with leaders where they feel like, okay, this is my time to shine, right? I'm going to, you know, kind of rain from on high and I'm going to give you my answer and you're just going to go and do it. And they like this because they feel like, okay, this is why I'm being paid, <laughs> right? When in reality, yes, you have to make that decision, but the reason why you're getting paid is so that you can explain why and further mentor and develop your people. 
Because what would happen if you had all the power and knowledge as the leader and something happened to you and there was nobody on your team that could step into that role? That could be devastating. And I've actually seen this happen to several teams. So this is my word of warning to you. Please, please, please make sure that you always have somebody that you're developing to take on any part of your role, okay? A lot of people are, um, they feel a little weird about this because they think, well, if somebody else could do this, then why, you know, why would they pay me to do this? I can tell you that the leader who knows how to explain why the decision was made is always seen as more resourceful and a bigger tool for the development of the team and the work. And it's a special skill that most people do not have. It sets you apart as a leader. Okay? And it really takes so little to explain why, but it has a great impact because it teaches your people this is the reasoning, right? So you also create a new you. Now, it does take a lot longer in the beginning. Okay, so think about it in this way. Uh, I'll use the chore example again because it's, it's so easy for everybody to understand this. So when my 12-year-old was transitioning over into uh, doing the dishes as her chore, I got to tell you, the first several weeks, oh, man, that was hard. <laughs> that was hard for everybody, okay? Now, it's gotten easier um, over time, there, there's a little less of, hey, I, I want to remind you about this. It's more, you know, what's your plan, right? Um, but in the beginning, I had to help her understand this is the reasoning behind, I don't know, the difference between using cold water and hot water, <laughs> okay? 12-year-old doesn't know that. Um, but the same applies in the workplace. When you are getting ready to delegate something to somebody else, you got to take the time to explain it to them and, and help them understand. When they understand why, so what your rationale, your reasoning is for making this decision, the next time a decision needs to be made, when they come to you and say, all right, you got to make this decision again, now you can turn it on them and say, what do you think the decision should be? This is a really key area in, in your leadership development, yours and theirs, because one of two things is going to happen. One, they're going to come back and they're going to say the same thing you would say, and then you have confidence that they've got it and you can delegate more to them. Or number two, they're going to come back and they're going to say something and you're like, hmm, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, so maybe let's, let's talk about that, right? So again, another teaching point. So don't be afraid to let people try to, to make their own decisions because over time, again, this goes back to the, the one that we were talking about before, make decisions at the lowest level possible, right? And you will love this over time because it will give you more time to make other decisions that are usually very critical decisions that nobody else can make. See what I'm saying? All right. 
Um, let's see. There's a couple here that there wasn't a whole lot on there that I got. Um, this one's a good one, though. Bad decisions become worse when they're not corrected quickly. Bad decisions become worse when they're not corrected quickly. So this is another one. I think John maybe spent 10 or 15 minutes just on this one. Um, so it was pretty significant. Uh, he talks about ego is the enemy of a leader. So I've seen this many times, and maybe you have too, where your boss has made a decision and the boss and probably everybody else there understands within a certain amount of time that this wasn't maybe the best decision, right? And what happens is that the leader, because their ego is in the way, kind of rests in that idea of this is the decision I made and we're just going to do it, right? When they don't kind of backtrack and say, hmm, what are some other options available to me? Okay. They defend a bad decision because they're so attached to, I made this decision. And when they do that, they lose momentum. Okay, So when you defend a bad decision, you lose momentum. However, really great leaders, when they can admit, hey, guys, I made this decision based on the information I had at the time, you know, my my current level of awareness, you know, I made the best decision I could at that time. And now we know more. And so now we're going to make a change because I, clearly we're not going in the right direction. Okay. First of all, that's very mature. Okay. that That's like the grown-up thing to do. Um, and secondly, your people look at you and they have more trust in you. See, the first leader who can't admit their mistake, they think that when they, they hold to that, that bad decision, that everybody looks at them and thinks they're a good leader, when in reality, everybody understands you're not. And the leader who can admit, you know what, I, I might have made a mistake or however you want to label that, right, and let's make a change, actually looks at you and has more respect for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and you know, the one, one of the things that he said was, and I have this in quotations, decision gets you walking. I love that because he talks about how, you know, sometimes you just have to make a decision, right? Um, you're, you have all the data, current data, right? And you just make a decision and it starts you walking on the path to your goal and then you realize after a while, hmm, this might not either be the right path or maybe we need to pick up the pace or, you know, maybe, oh, no, wait a minute, there's this new research out there that shows us the, that this might not be the best, right? So when you can admit that you're, you're on this path and you want to go on a different one and you just change your focus, you actually spend all of your energy creating that positive forward momentum, even with a quote-unquote bad decision, than if you had defended the bad decision in the first place. Isn't that good? Yeah, I love that. Um, the last thing I want to share with you, um, 
he says, waiting for the best decision is usually a mistake. So this definitely related to the last one. Make a good one now. So again, that idea of decision gets you walking, that decisions actually require action, right? So you can think about something as long as you want, but in order to see success, you're going to have to have an action that comes out of that thinking, okay? So when you have no action, you have no success. So when you start on your path of action towards that success, and, you know, maybe you realize I, I got to make this change, that's fine. But if you never start, you will never have success. So waiting for the best decision and I see this all the time with my coaching clients. They'll, they'll um, you know, come on a call and we'll talk about, you know, here are some options. And they literally cannot move forward because they're so paralyzed by this idea of it has to be the right decision. Hey, listen, when you can come up with, let's say, 10 options of how to do something and achieve success, which one is right? And how do you know which one is right? See, the only way that you know that it's right is if you go and you do it and it works. The only way that you know that it's quote-unquote wrong is if you go and you do it and it doesn't work. So if you sit in your thinking, you'll never know if it works or not. So sometimes you just got to make the best decision you can in the moment and go and see. Okay, so you make a decision, you do something, you learn, you make an adjustment, you make a new decision, <laughs> you, you have new action, new learning, right? It's a, a constant cycle, okay? All decisions are meant to be made on the move, okay? So you're not meant to stay and hang in one place for a really long time. I'm not kidding, guys. I had a friend who was looking at getting a new vacuum cleaner. I must have had a dozen conversations with her in the amount of six months' time, and I looked at her and said, when are you ever going to buy this vacuum cleaner? Like, why do we keep talking about this? Because she would do the research, and she would hear from a friend that they like this, and she would go on Facebook and ask for recommendations, and on and on and on and on. And I finally just said, you're never going to get that vacuum cleaner. Decisions are made to be on the move. So sometimes you make a decision and you're like, okay, this is good. And then for a time, you realize, hmm, this might not fit with where we're going, right? It's okay because you can make an adjustment on the move. Does that make sense? Awesome. So um, as we're kind of wrapping this up, I just want to share with you, um, you know, this week, I want you to think about what is your relationship to decisions? So go through several of these things um, and, and ask yourself, you know, which one of these am I really good at? Which ones, you know, do I struggle with? How can I get better? So in other words, don't just listen to this call. Don't just write down your notes right? But go back and really ask yourself, what am I going to do this week based on what I just heard, okay? And then on a scale of 1 to 10, ask yourself, how fast am I at making decisions? Okay, so 1 being really slow, 10 being really fast. 
Now, I'm not saying because you make a fast decision, you're a good decision maker. I'm not saying that at all because there are some decisions you need to let simmer, right? Um, there are others that you just know and you just need to move. So you might even ask yourself, are there situations that I'm a faster decision maker and those that I take more time, okay? And if you can't figure that out for your current life, go back into your past life and think about major decisions, right? I think about the time when um, a, a friend of mine, she was dating her, her boyfriend at the time, and within probably two months they were engaged. And I was like, what the heck, man, right? Now, she had a different relationship with that decision than I did. She had different data than I did. Now they've been married for about 22 years, so obviously something worked, right? Um, so go through major decisions that you've, you've made in the past and just ask yourself, how fast was I in, in making that, okay? Just try to find something out about yourself. There's no right or wrong here. It's just self-discovery, okay? And feel free to, to let me know how that goes. Uh, email me at michelle at growbyone.com. I would love to hear your thoughts and your key takeaways. All right, so next week on our, um, our leader call, I am going to share with you uh, some more thoughts from John, not on decision-making. I'll, I'll find something else, but I... I I'm staring at a whole notebook full of stuff. There's plenty of stuff here, okay? So you'll want to tune into that. Um, so keeping in line with kind of what I've been sharing with you this morning about the whole note-taking and, and decision-making idea and thinking, um, I do have an announcement to share with you, and I will share this again next week. Uh, as I've spent time thinking about my business and where I'm going in the future and um, what's happening, how can I increase the impact that I have, uh, one of the key things that has popped up is my ability to be more flexible and to use my time in the best way possible. So I have to let you know that next week will be our last live teaching call. Uh, and there's several reasons why, so let me share the why with you, okay? So the one biggest reason why is that it's very hard to do this by myself. I have, you know, Bethany Clemenson and Rose Partiak have been amazing at helping me do these live calls. And the past several weeks especially, it's just been become too hard to do it by myself. I want to, not at the level that I want to give it to you, okay? And the second really big reason why is because we have the podcast now, right? Um, so if you're not connected with our podcast, look up Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. And I've heard over the past six months that more people are connecting who used to be in the live calls with the podcast. So it makes perfect business sense to shift what we're doing here and bring it over into the podcast, which we already do anyway, because let's face it, I, I record the session and it immediately goes on to the podcast, okay? So the reason why I even started these live calls was, mm, I think in 2018, maybe the early 2018, I was getting ready to do a series of trainings uh, with some statewide leaders. And I came up with this idea of, wouldn't it be cool if we did these live calls and it would be a value added type thing, right? And it was meant to be for just that, that time frame that I was training. 
And then I heard from other people, well, can you keep doing this? And I thought, well, yeah, I could keep doing this. And then we opened it up to everybody. So in March of this year, um, we got the idea and the resources to start the podcast. And so for six months now, we've been doing both. And one thing that I've heard from folks who actually used to be on the live call is that they don't listen to the live call so much because it's harder to fit in their schedule, but they know that it will be posted immediately to the podcast. And so looking at everything that I've got going on, it just makes perfect sense. Okay, so I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, here I'm on the live call and Michelle's like ditching me. No, no, no. Every Friday, the topic will still be something related to, to leadership. So check the podcast for that. And if you're on our live calls on Mondays that are for um, coaches, the podcast session on Mondays will also be still the theme for coaches. Okay, so I'm still going to keep that there because I think that that's valuable. All right, so I did want to announce that. So next week we will still have our normal final live call and then we'll go to putting them on the podcast. Okay, so if you have any questions or thoughts or concerns about that, please reach out to me. I'd love to chat with you about that, okay? Awesome. So with that, I'm going to uh, – actually, I want to I do my statement here. So I am holding an image of you being intentionally influential powerfully productive, and empowering and engaging the people you serve. So with that, I release you into the wild. Go forth and prosper. Have an amazing day, and we'll see you next Friday. All right. Bye-bye.